0: This is Cole Zerman, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services is providing solutions for your success.
1: Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. While that string of West Coast storms continues to make its way across the Midwest this week, DTN meteorologist John Baranek expects that pattern to shift.
2: What we have seen over the last couple of weeks is actually more typical of an El Nino instead of La Nina and so um, That's when California gets their rain is over the winter time here, especially during El Nino events and California just getting blasted uh, as everyone's probably been w- made aware um, But we're finally getting back into that La Nina pattern here after this week, so that means Colder conditions moving back in, we've kind of enjoyed some nice warm conditions across most of the uh, of the country, honestly, but we'll be getting back into that colder pattern here come the end of the month.
1: But while the U.S. weather pattern is expected to shift, Boranek does not see a change for Argentina.
2: Uh, everything's been real bad in Argentina so far. Um, if you've been paying attention to either the USDA's numbers that came out uh, last week or some of the private forecasters that are down there. Uh, they're cutting production uh, across Argentina and the con- weather conditions down there don't look to improve. I mean, they've got a really long season and it's all kind of spread out there, their plantings and everything. But um, the conditions all the way through um, our summer, which is their winter, uh, do not look good uh, for crop growing in in Argentina specifically.
3: Soybean products have been driving the soybean market. Country futures market analyst Darrell Holliday says demand for soybean meal and oil remains very strong.
4: Well, the soybean oil is a renewable diesel side of things, and just the overall food demand. That, but the meal is a little surprising. That you know, our hogs, are numbers net domestically are down two percent. We've struggled to keep the poultry numbers up. We certainly don't have any really increased demand out of the, in the cattle side of things. So, uh, I don't. I think it's really just a margin thing.
3: Holiday says traders are defending their long positions.
4: These processors have a lot of leverage and they're able to get uh, improve that. I do think that market's vulnerable. Funds are record long soybean meal. I think it might just throw that in, is they have a record amount of length, if you will, in the soy meal. Not true of oil and not true of beans, but true of soy meal.
5: North Dakota State University crops marketing economist Farine Olson says that the focus on Argentina's soybean crop is important, but the meal market is more important.
6: It, it really is. And so when we think about South America, Brazil and Argentina, both big soybean producers, big corn producers, a lot of discussion now about the weather in Argentina and the dry conditions, the impact that's having right now, in particular on soybean yields and soybean yield potential, but also on corn but we also have to understand that argentina really is a processor argentina doesn't export a lot of whole soybeans most of their beans are processed into oil and meal before it gets exported
5: the price impact from argentina's drought will be much greater on soybean meal and soybean oil
6: both domestically and internationally than it will on whole soybeans now there's a obviously kind of a backdoor effect there's a ripple effect into the soybean market but it's not a direct fact, uh, impact like it would be from Brazil. So yes, it's something we're watching. The soybean market's paying attention to it. But it's just one of those more indirect, where the the, the size of the Argentine crop and the drop that we're seeing there has been more than offset by the increase we're seeing out of Brazil.
1: continuing, continuing education classes begin today at the Minnesota Ag Expo in Mankato, with the official start tomorrow morning. Minnesota Corn Growers Association President Richard Severson has a preview of day one.
4: We kick off the morning with our uh, Minnesota Corn Growers annual meeting and resolution session at 9, and there are speakers throughout the day. There's a big trade show, and then there's also a chance to meet uh, some of the university researchers that your checkoff dollars support, and some of the innovation grant uh, folks who've been doing on-farm research with their own equipment, their own fields, and answering questions that a lot of us have, but we don't have the <laughs> the ideas to, on how to measure them. And, and some of those folks are going to be there, and uh, as well as public uh, officials uh, to meet and greet.
1: Severson expects uh, to dive into grain indemnity and solar farm development during the resolutions discussions.
4: There's some concern in some counties about the development of solar farms and where those are cited and what kind of land is being taken out of ag production. And I know we'll have a robust discussion about that. We've had a lot of discussion about what a state grain indemnity fund should look like. A lot of uh, farmers over the last few years have been affected by grain elevator bankruptcies. and So I think we're going to have a a, a real robust discussion about what that should or could look like. And I think it's a good time for our membership to come and uh, give us their ideas and, and speak up and and be a part of the discussion about what what that policy would look like going forward
1: and the red river farm network will be reporting from menag expo wednesday and thursday
3: USDA's weekly export inspections report for the week ending January 12th shows corn inspections of 774,000 metric tons. That's 93% more than the previous week, but 37% less than the four-week average. Soybean inspections of 2.07 million metric tons are 42% more than the previous week and 11% more than the four-week average, Wheat inspections of 320,000 tons tons are 52% more than the previous week, but 17% less than the four-week average. For the marketing year, corn inspections are down 30% from a year ago. Soybean inspections are 4% less than last year, and wheat inspections are down 3% from a year ago.
5: South Dakota Soybean Association President Kevin Deinert says preliminary stages of the legislation session have been quiet.
0: There's a lot of bills and and, uh, legislation that's still being formulated within the legislature there, so we're keeping an eye on everything and and anything that might come forward to us. Uh, Nothing is for certain now that is that we have been directly addressing, uh, but there are a few things that we certainly keep an eye on, whether that's being uh, landowner rights, or how certain legislation affects
5: farmers. Dinert says one bill that came to the forefront was Governor Noem's legislation on preserving agriculture in South Dakota. For more new farm news, visit rrfn.com. Sign up for our Monday Farm Net News as well. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.
1: Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Rand- uh, we, we continue our farm news here with two consecutive years of drought forcing livestock producers to liquidate herds. University of Nebraska Extension Livestock Economist Elliot Dennis expects feeder supplies to shorten when producers start to rebuild their numbers.
0: So we look at total beef count numbers. Uh, and beef cow herd liquidation to see really what's our feeder cattle crop going to be like in 2023. And we look at heifer retention this year and a little bit of next year to figure out kind of what total feeder cattle supply is going to be like in 2024. And so that would indicate that If we're having uh, a lot of herd liquidation today, that means we're... And we've had accelerated beef cow slaughter. That means feeder cattle supplies in 2023 are going to be tight. How tight, I think we'll have a better idea when we see the January cattle inventory report.
1: Dennis says 2014 levels won't be achieved unless a third year of drought forces more liquidation.
0: The comparison between 2014 has to do with more kind of the, the boomerang effect that we had. We had pretty severe herd liquidation and really starting in 2010, 2011, we are still hurt liquidating. And then just when we thought we should start rebuilding, we actually had a drought on top of that and prices just kind of shot through the roof. I don't think we're at that dynamic yet if we continue to have beef cow bird liquidation in 2023 then we definitely will be but right now i think people are looking at the prices without adjusting for inflation when we adjust for some of that inflation these prices are considerably lower
3: ndsu extension forage inch crops specialist james rogers says with last growing season there's no shortage of forage but forage stock should be checked for quality
7: We had very good rainfall in the spring. Temperatures were great, so we had a lot of forage production. The problem with some of this rainfall was that producers got a lot of hay on the ground, but then every time they were ready to to bale, it seemed like we would get another shower, which for some producers, I think moisture content of the hay at the time of baling may not have been optimal. It might have been just a little bit high. So from that, <clears throat> what I've seen coming in on some forage tests is that we are getting some crude protein content that is insoluble. In other words, that is unavailable for the animal.
3: Rogers recommends producers test for, for, for crude protein and adjust their ration depending on the cow's gestational cycle.
7: And the nutrient... Requirements for, a, for beef cow varies by what stage of pregnancy she's in. So if she's in the middle third of pregnancy, that's just kind of a maintenance stage. Her nutrient requirements are the lowest at that point throughout her production cycle. But here we are in, in mid-January now, and for a lot of producers that are going to start calving maybe in, in April or, or May, that third trimester of pregnancy is fast approaching. But when that happens, that beef cow's nutrient requirements suddenly increase by quite a bit.
5: 2022 was a unique and surprising growing season, a late start and swings in moisture made for both very successful research and presented challenges depending on the trial. University of Minnesota Extension wheat breeder, Jim Anderson says this year was great for collecting data on wheat varieties.
6: Yeah, 2022. I, I would say was a great year for wheat breeders and making selections, and especially because 2021 was such a bad year. We had we had heat, we had drought. There weren't big variety performance differences. We didn't have disease. We didn't have lodging. Uh, 2022. We had all of that. We had really good yields. We could get good separation. Uh, we saw lodging. We saw diseases. I spent more time in the field looking at wheat than you know probably 2020 and 2021 combined there was just so much data to be had out there
5: meanwhile u of m extension specialist in nutrient and water management lindsay pease said had a hard time testing biologicals and nutrient management practices
3: We didn't see a big effect of these biologicals this past year, and some of that has to do with the different rain patterns that we experienced. Uh, For example, with our uh, soybean trial, uh, I think our soybeans never really even had a chance.
5: You're listening to the Red River Farm Network
3: welcome to inside agriculture on the red river farm network at the clay county update meeting extension educator tom peters is teaching farmers about prevention methods for palmer amaranth
8: yeah palmer palmer is a weed we don't want and the reason is is it robs yield and it's hard to control i don't want palmer to get established uh but on the other hand we don't want to scare people either and my point on that is is we want them to remain curious so if they see something in the landscape maybe their field their garden uh, maybe in public spaces that doesn't look right i want to know i want to find out about it with noxious weeds it's a lot easier to control them when there's a few of them
3: Currently, Peters is more worried about palmer amaranth than water hemp.
8: There's a slide that I, I use a lot that talks about red red pigweed, and I call that Dr. Dexter's pigweed. And then my pigweed is water hemp. Palmer amaranth is an escalation even beyond water hemp. The reason is is because it just grows so big. So in a low-growing, slow-growing crop like sugar beet, it, it takes up a lot of area, and it just crowds our sugar beets out.
1: Maybe it doesn't kill them, but it certainly will affect yield. Checking markets before we leave you this noon hour. We're seeing uh, green across the grain screen here right now. March wheat, Minneapolis, four and a half higher, 9.16 and three quarters. Chicago, March wheat, seven and now eight and a quarter higher at 7.52. Kansas City, March wheat's up 13 and a quarter at 8.57. March corn, eight cents higher, 6.83. December corn, four and a half higher, 6.03. March soybeans, seven and three quarter higher, 15.35 and a half. July soybeans, five and a half higher 1530 and a half. March canola is down 50 cents a metric ton, 84040 Canadian. February live cattle down 77 cents, 15695. January feeder cattle down a dollar 55 at 17970. February lean hogs are down 35 cents at 7830. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.